Welcome back to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. So we're picking back up on part two with Dan, where we talk through quite a bit, including his experience canvassing in Georgia with Surge in 2020. And of course, his fantasies about inhabiting a future where we coexist with the environment in a mutually respectful way. this misconception in my head, which I still kind of struggle through, which is that, um, I saw this in my father a lot who mm. his entire life was his family and his job, mm. um, was that, um, if you have fulfilling work, that's enough. Yeah. 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 Um, which is not necessarily the no. case. Um, for Hell some no. people, maybe, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was it, a lot of therapy was both like working on myself and also learning mm-hmm that um this is my one life what what do you what do you want to do that's right you became a journeyman at tune in you worked your way up um from entry level ish to like a part of the executive team you decided during that time you were there was a lot going on with your your life you were getting sober you were rediscovering yourself as a sober person and you know finding like what are the things that you like in life like gardening and playing piano and 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 you know yeah all of these things and kind of going through this sort of existential um reawakening yeah real thank you I've got the words, Dan. Thanks. Um, this existential. I'm going to mansplain my own journey. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a good summary. There's one other piece. What? Um, we're seated next to the house that I live in. Um, I have a memory that uh, shortly after I left TuneIn, I think that there's, um, I think part of the reason that it was hard to leave or part of the reason I didn't leave sooner is that it's really hard to uh acknowledge one's role in the capitalist system so long as you're a part of it say Um, more my brother and um i at least so i was like lying on my carpet up there just like having the kind of uh freewheeling thoughts that you can have when you don't have a job Mm -hmm. and i was just laying there thinking about stuff and kind of like came to the realization that capitalism is the root and vehicle of climate change ah um that's going in the dramatic reenactment how you used to body people about great the environment Uh um root and vehicle of climate change and i think that at least for myself you've touched on how i can be Mm self-critical um i don't know that my i don't think you're self-critical i think that you i think you are self-diminishing oh boy that's worse And, and not as you're not you don't acknowledge yourself in the way you should but oh boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that I could have survived acknowledging my full complicity, complicity, complicity in uh, the damage that capitalism had wrought so long as I was a part of it. Um, ah, we're going to we're going to double click on that. It's it's tell me what you mean, because you're you're you've got things jumbled in a knot. Um, Go ahead. Tell me what you mean. We'll walk through it. 
Yeah. After I left TuneIn, mm-hmm. I was able to think about all the ways in which working for a purely for-profit company or organization within um, the capitalist system, mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. um, results in um, so much destruction, so much extraction. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like so long as I was there, I didn't examine it or was unable to examine it. Because if I did... You weren't able to examine your company's role or or your role as a worker? Or, or both? Both. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that, like, the whole... Like, part, by participating in the system, you enable the system, I feel like. I don't know if that's true or not. No, that's not true. Yeah. It felt that way to me. Uh-huh. Okay. That's good. Um, that, that was the feeling that I had. I gotcha. Okay. Um, I, I'm not thinking of that cartoon of like the fucking serfs or whatever, you know, cartoon I'm talking about. Like, yeah. uh, capitalism is bad. We should improve it somewhat. And mm-hmm. then like the other guy bumps out of the well and is like, ha ha. And yet you participate in it. Um, <laughs> well, we don't have a choice though. That's the, yeah. that's what I want to get to, but uh-huh. yeah, go ahead. But at the uh, time, well, at the time uh-huh. that I was receiving government assistance and not actually working, mm-hmm. it felt I felt apart from it. Huh. Um, Why? Because I didn't have a job. I wasn't going to work. I wasn't. Th- I mean, like a lot of my job was working on revenue stuff. And mm-hmm. I just like couldn't stop thinking about money and trying to get I the see. most money out of it. I see. I see. Um, so that was that was the part that you felt unsettled about only after leaving. Like when you yes. when you reflected on it. Yes. I see what you're saying. Okay. Describe your experience volunteering and what were there any revelations were there any um revelatory experiences that you uh, that you experienced during or about myself or just learning about other stuff however you want to answer that well it was fun when i got there because like i uh well i don't know fun is the right word i came with my own sense of like what i'm capable of doing and and what i'm good at Mm -hmm. And I walked in and um, this was before there was the Oakland office. So like those staffers were still there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, like I'm I just I'm here. I'm like down to do anything y'all need doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to come in every day. um, And I just want to let you know that like I'm down to do whatever you need. They're like, great. Can you make phone calls? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, 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 totally. I just just want you to know like I can do like anything you want me to do. Like I have experience doing people management or like data stuff or whatever. They're like, great. Can you make phone calls? (laughs) And my ego is just like, oh. (laughs) Um, And so then I sat down and made some phone calls. And then another volunteer came in and Alex, Alex White, I don't know if he was like, hey, can you help train this person up on? I was like, great. And so then I helped them make phone calls. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I like talked to Alex. I was like, hey, Alex, like this was great. Thanks. Just want to let you know I'll be in tomorrow. I can do anything. Like if you need work done at home, I can bring my computer. I can do whatever. He's like, great, great. Sounds good. And kind of like moved on with his day. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of what the staffers deal with is like these people who just come in once or whatever. And like also dealt with like a lot of people who were kind of in their own world. Um, And so the lesson I learned is just like, uh, at least with that is like, a, they're only going to come to depend on you if you come in like every single day yep. and actually demonstrate That's right. uh, that you're not just some person with good intentions. Mm-hmm. And also the, the, like, it doesn't matter who the fuck you are. Mm-hmm. Literally the most effective thing you can do mm-hmm. is go fucking talk to people. Yeah, that's right. Like, that's it. It that's doesn't, right. it doesn't matter. Like I've had, since I've gotten really into politics this year, mm-hmm. I've had really gifted, intelligent, highly educated, professionally accomplished people reach out to me being like, Hey, I want to get involved. Mm-hmm. Like, what can I do? It's like, 
can you make phone calls? Yeah, that's right. Like, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, and they're like, well, I think I could be really good at this thing. It's like. That you, may I've, be, but. Have you knocked is, on doors before? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like. That's right. She go knock on doors. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh. That's that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the. That's the meat and potatoes. Why is that? Why is that the meat and potatoes? How do you under? How did you come to understand that as the meat and potatoes? Uh, the first bit was not practical experience, but was conversation with Faison. Who? No, no, no. no. What I'm asking you is, what is the, what is your takeaway of why why that is the thing that you cannot avoid doing, the talking to people, the pressing of the flesh? Oh, um, well, I mean, now you're getting like the the the. I mean, this is. This is like the, the lesson that I keep learning over the last like couple of years of my life, which is that you can have this vision for the way you want the world to be mm-hmm. and you can uh, shout and stomp your feet and try and pull everyone along with you into mm-hmm. the direction you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only way you're going to go anywhere remotely forward is if you all move forward together. Hey. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, the only way you're going to move forward together is if you are also open to listening mm. and being pulled along in the direction with the people you're talking to. Ah, talking to people in real life, not just online or whatever. How does that get incorporated into any future vision or vision of a future that you hope to be a part of creating? Like what does that how do you sure. how do you take that and and think about it going forward? Um I am an optimist and I love people. Mm-hmm. I really, really love people mm-hmm. like a lot. It really fucking bums me out when people say like, oh yeah, I hate people. People are the worst, aren't they? Right, right, Like right. it's just like fucking, oh God, I have no patience for it. Mm. Uh, Why? Because I think it's lazy and mm-hmm. I think it, and it's like, um, you know, we've only got one another. It's lazy uh, and it's not true. Yeah, I it's think that's so it frustrating uh-huh. to me. And and like maybe that is a defense mechanism born of trauma and mm-hmm. more power to you on your own journey as you explore that. But like if you close yourself off to intimacy with others, then you're going to live a fucking dark life. Mm-hmm. After Biden got the nomination, which is completely absurd, I will never Let's call stop him Robinette. saying that. He's Robinette. Okay. Yeah. After Robinette got the nomination, you even though you were a Bernie person, you, you know, you pulled up stakes and went to uh, Georgia to, you know, canvas and help try and like turn Georgia blue, which, you know, you were a part of doing. Um, so in, in a way, even though annoying people like me would be like, why would you do that for him? You decided you thought that that was a worthy endeavor. Um, and you stayed there through the special election, I think. Huh? Uh, more or less. Right. Uh-huh. So I, after Bernie dropped um, some friends, of mine here who are actually from my burning man camp we decided before of course you're a burner i should have assumed that of Go course ahead. i am um uh from before the election before even bernie we had had agreed that we weren't going to go to burning man this past year that we were going to instead put our energy towards helping uh whoever the nominee was yeah beat trump uh, and whoever tr- that person was yeah and also okay. to okay. try and flip the senate if we could okay uh, and so we started an organization called 30 Friends mm-hmm. um, and we did what we called creative campaign support for on the ground progressive organizations in swing states. Mm. So we worked with our Wisconsin Revolution. Mm. Um, we worked with um, Field Team 6, which was doing progressive voter registration, mm-hmm. specifically of folks who had been purged from the rolls. Huh. Um, we worked with this organization, which is my favorite organization, which is called Surge, which stands for Showing mm-hmm. Up for Racial Justice. Mm-hmm. 
I am in a deep, deep love affair with Surge. Um, <laughs> Surge is an organization of mostly white people mm-hmm. who uh, do anti-racist work in white communities. Mm. And oh my goodness gracious. It, what does that mean? What does that mean? Um, it means listening with empathy. Uh-huh. Um, to white people. Goddamn right. Okay. And white people doing this work. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I think there's been like a ton of different threads throughout the uh uprisings and stuff like that of the past year Mm -hmm. and one of them that's been really interesting is like i've heard from a lot of black folks who really like feel resentment that they feel like they're expected to explain to white people why like racism is bad you heard this from real black people in your life or just from the internet probably the the ambient ambient kind of the internet Uh thank you for clarifying that yes um and uh so it, it had been interesting for me to think about this stuff, like what as like a white dude is my role in doing anti-racist work? Cause I want to be a part of it, mm-hmm. but I like, I'm not going to occupy or even try to occupy a leadership position in a lot of these organizations. Cause mm-hmm. like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Does it not? Why does it not make sense? Because I'm not black. So that means you cannot hold any leadership position in an in like, organization with black people. No. And like black lives matter. It's just in, it feels incongruous to me. Because you're white. Yeah. Does that not feel weird to you? No. <laughs> See, I, uh, but, I don't Okay, go ahead. Part of the reason I dug Surge is because it like felt like a natural fit to me that like racism, specifically anti-black racism mm-hmm. and white supremacy mm-hmm. was built in the white community. And I don't agree with that either. I'm, uh, I think it's, it's not what, we, go ahead, go ahead. Well, mm, we might get there. Go ahead. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it felt like so much of this problem exists in the white community. Most of the problem exists in the white community. But are you, do you, ha! okay, so we're here now. But do you think that this problem, these problems, do these problems have any antecedents that are economic in particular? Like I think the way, the, the, what I, the, the, ah, the knit that I have is that I think a lot of, a lot of people who mean well, and I include you, like you, you're no, no, no. You mean well, and you're very earnest in your in your uh, in your anti-racist articulation of you know a, you know your articulation of a society that is anti-racist. And I and I think you are I think you are genuine. I think you're authentic in that. But but the way I I hear it discussed is that this thing is it, th- this racism, white supremacy exists independent of of its of its genesis which is capitalism you understand what i'm saying so i'm saying i definitely don't mean to imply that okay so yeah. i so i'm mishearing okay I, I, yeah we just haven't got there yet but i got you okay the my understanding of where racism white supremacy come comes from reading the new jim crow mm-hmm. and how she talks a lot about how white supremacy was a creation of the ruling class specifically to keep the white working class down mm-hmm and uh happy with their lot so long as they had white supremacy to hold over Mm -hmm. enslaved people okay um does that feel that's that's okay we can move past this no no no, that's yeah okay um and so yeah i don't think that it is apart from capitalism um but but that still doesn't answer my question that's still i'm still going to pressure on this so if there were a if there were an a mixed race organization be a black lives matter or whatever i don't know but if there were a mixed race organization not one that was just purely white quote white people doing the work i see that phrase a lot that is a little weird for me but you you still wouldn't feel 
you still wouldn't feel that it was appropriate for you to take a leadership position if you were committed to doing the work alongside other people equally, not as their, you know, not as their, you know, white savior or, or, you know, boss, but, but as a colleague, as a comrade. I I feel like at the time, no, because I had no experience doing the work whatsoever. Ah. So it was both an experience and a demographic thing. Okay. I feel like with okay. time, after having done this work more, mm-hmm. then I might feel more comfortable doing it. Okay. But I still hear some some hesitance or some uneasiness about you being white in these spaces. Yeah. I, I guess I what I am afraid of doing is occupying a space that um, should otherwise be occupied by a person of color. What does that mean? And why does that, what does that mean? Tell me what that means. Mm. Uh, Is it because only, go ahead. I don't want to. Can you finish your question? Is that, is that, is that that because you think that only people of color can understand and therefore, and therefore institute the work that needs to be done that is uh that is most effective is that what you're saying and is that what you mean no um i don't know maybe my brain is just rotted by twitter it uh, it absolutely is yeah, yeah, yeah but i want i'm trying to understand it yeah um uh just that i maybe this is only on the internet but i have uh heard and uh am self-conscious about being a white man who uh, feels like he gets to be a leader just because he's a white man or inserts himself into conversations as an authority when there are people who are better authorities than him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because white men are raised in our society to talk authoritatively on subjects or, mm-hmm. I don't know, feel entitled to those positions of power. Mm. Uh, I feel reluctant to step into them for all of those reasons, especially when uh, I don't have any expertise in it. I mean, like, I don't have to tell you that COVID has been a difficult time. Of course. Um, and I think there's a lot of stuff that, like, we talk about it being difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that, like, we're in a global pandemic that, uh, you know, is showing us how all of our systems and structures either, like, don't work mm. or never did. Mm. Um, we've, we're in the middle of a racial uprising. That's right. Uh, both, like, the Black Lives Matter uprising and also the white supremacist uprising. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we're seeing so much of this stuff and we're just like we're also at this time in human history where we have access to information at an unprecedented amount and we can't leave our houses so we're just fucking tapped into the borg all the time Uh and so the amount of anxiety and stress that all of us are holding Mm. is i really think at least for my generation unprecedented Mm. i can't speak for older generations Mm. who have been through maybe more difficult things Mm -hmm. I wasn't involved with, but I was in love with the Occupy movement. Ah, um, mm-hmm. Why? I feel like the thing that is evil in our society is not individual people, but is these systems and structures and the 1% of the top who enforce them for That's their own right. benefit. That's right. And Occupy articulated that in such a fucking simple way to me mm-hmm. that for the first time I had an aha moment ah. of like the 99%. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all of us. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's my cousin in fucking... Ohio who shoots deer with his shotgun and it's like my friends in San Francisco who go to Burning Man. It's all of us against those fucking dipshits who are on Wall Street drinking champagne laughing at the Occupy protesters. Like that clarified it to me. Uh, uh, uh. And then Bernie used that same language Uh and it was like, oh, this is so clear. Mm. Like I'm looking at, you know, we talked about 2008 and seeing the financial struggles my parents had and like you know, my parents had to sell my childhood home at the bottom of the market because Oof. they were out of money. Um, and it was just like a really rough time. And then yeah. just knowing that there are these people whose money just compounds and compounds and compounds. And like, 
you know, the Bezoses and all those fucks, mm-hmm. um, just being so enormously wealthy and then not giving a shit about anybody else. Mm. And it was like, oh, this is the enemy. Mm. It's so clear. Mm. It's so you didn't, clear. You weren't even seduced. You, <laughs> because you racialize and gender yourself, but you as a, as a white man, you as a cis hat white man, you weren't even seduced into, for a moment into this like, no, I'm going to, I could be a Bezos. Like, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't really have to identify with this 99% thing. I'm, you know, things are a little tight right now, but I'll, I'll get there. You weren't even that, like, you weren't even Absolutely not. (laughs) Because I I think the difference is like the difference between like being, having like a comfortable lifestyle Mm -hmm. and being a Bezos Mm -hmm. is they're different universes. That's right. It's like, yeah, I, I could conceivably in a career in tech make like millions of dollars. Yeah. And I'm still so much closer mm-hmm. to like a person who is unhoused out on the street than I am to Jeff Bezos. Ah, mm-hmm. And so like the idea that no, I no, I don't want to be a fucking, I think being a billionaire, like Bernie says is a moral failing. Uh-huh. The fact that you have acquired and accumulated that much wealth. The way I think about it is like, if you have a warehouse mm-hmm. that's just full of a billion dollars worth of food mm-hmm. and there are people starving yeah. and you're just holding on to that food, right. you're a bad person. Huh? Unequivocally, so huh. there are no good billionaires. Even though um, Bill Gates can fucking suck it. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you heard that, Mr. Gates. But um, but to use that to use that analogy, even though that I'm I'm not walk with me here. Even though that that fact that that warehouse full of a billion dollars worth of food, you could use the profits from that to donate <laughs> to donate to a shelter like you you uh. could, could could you not quote do some good with the money you make is that not is that not a seductive proposition for you uh you could alleviate some pain i don't know that you'd be doing good mm. but so long as the systems that you are deeply complicit huh. in upholding are mm. the ones causing that pain mm. i mean you can't fucking hit somebody over the head with a lead pipe and then give them tylenol and say you're doing good <laughs> sure sure so but you're saying but you're i'm i'm i'm, I'm being cheeky but i say all that say you weren't even you you were at a point in 2016 where you were able to identify or 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 have a have a conception of some some sort of like class interest yeah okay and bernie represented that for you in 2016 yeah though after he got rat fucked you 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 <laughs> did you did what you thought you needed to do and you campaigned for hillary did you think that she was going to win I think, I mean, I think everybody, whether or not you fucking her, I think everybody thought she was going to win. I think, I think everyone thought that was a, a foregone conclusion. Or did you have some doubts? Uh, I, I'm not going to act like I knew what was going to happen. Mm. Nah. Okay. Thought she was going to win. Mm, okay. Um, and when she didn't, what was your, what was your, what was your view of that? I was an election, I was an, an election watch party with a bunch of these neolib you know, Washington aspiring people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I walked across the street and got a pint of chocolate therapy of Ben and Jerry's. And I came back and said... Was that difficult? Do In that moment, was the, was the election of 2016, was that the most challenging moment for your sobriety? I just thought about that. No, it was not. Oh, okay. Okay. It didn't like, it didn't send you way into a tailspin. Nah, different things have been way more challenging. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, different things have been way more challenging. Mm. Going through a breakup. Sure. Way more challenging. Sure. Um, yeah, that was just like, 
no, that wasn't challenging. Okay. It's weird. There are some things that are super being alone, being depressed. Sure. But like being around other people who are all really upset, like being with people. Nah. Yeah. It's okay. Not. Okay. That's fair. Um, but you went across the street and got chocolate ice cream. Yeah. And I started eating out of the pint and so they were like, do you want me to get you a bowl? Can I get you a bowl? I was like, dude, who gives a shit? Right. Right. <laughs> well, like, and then like they were all like slightly aghast that I was eating out of the pint. And I was like, these are not my people. Man. No. <laughs> Fuck people. no. Um, and then we went home that night and I remember just like my, my girlfriend was crying and mm. like we were just lying in bed shell shocked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I, I remember talking with some people at the time who were just like, why are you being so dramatic about it? Like, mm. it's not that big a deal. And I know that like a lot of people and maybe like your friends or people who listen to this are like, you know, the establishment's the establishment and whether or not it's Trump or Hillary, like it's all the same. It is really bad for still a lot of people, sure. but also like man trump made a lot of things really fucking bad mm-hmm. and all of the deaths so many of the deaths mm-hmm. that we've seen from COVID, i think are like directly related to his administration sure and i've just like saw that kind of shit coming down the pike mm. and was grieving in that moment did you think 2020 was going to go different in terms of the rap fuckery than 2016 yeah i thought he was gonna win mm-hmm and when it's when you know everything happened night of the long knives blah 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 like how did you understand post south carolina or south carolina and beyond how did you understand what was going on or how did you process it how did i process it uh my understanding is that biden had gotten millions and millions of dollars of free advertising and cable news Mm. and bernie had gotten millions and millions of dollars of free bad advertising on cable news Mm -hmm. or bad press post south carolina Uh, before even Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. like the whole fucking time my dad who i had to like event he was into my dad was into Kamala Mm -hmm. uh I eventually talked him into being a Bernie supporter um and he uh he would call me he'd be like Dan you know I gotta tell you these folks on MSNBC really don't like Bernie (laughs) yeah and and again like he had MSNBC injected into his veins he's like a he loves that shit he was like they just they're saying some outrageous stuff about mm, him. Mm-hmm. Like, why do they not like him so much? Yeah. <laughs> it's out of control. And even Rachel Maddow, who's great, you know, she's saying all this stuff. Mm. And um, I was just like, yeah, dad, like that's kind of that's kind of the deal. Is like they've got these vested interests mm. in like things persisting in a lot of ways that they are. Mm-hmm. And Bernie is challenging mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's tough for a lot of people to like come to terms with that because it feels like a conspiracy theory. Um, what mm. what uh, maybe i uh, maybe i don't understand what this means again i'm not up on the theory shit but like manufacturing consent is that the right yes that's the right term okay. <laughs> you don't have to tiptoe around it yes that's because exactly right i've term. never read any of this it's all learned from twitter and so it's so far in this conversation most of my twitter knowledge has gotten me in trouble that's correct so um, and we'll that's why i'm checking so. in okay. that's why i'm checking mm-hmm. in um and so manufacturing consent i feel like uh, having that have that term and have it be a real thing that mm-hmm. is defined mm-hmm. uh, makes it real for a lot of people like you and me, but not having it defined and saying it's just like the media is against him makes yeah. it feel like it's conspiracy. I theory. see what you're saying. And uh-huh. so um, I think it's hard to convince people of that otherwise. Mm. Um, so it was the media. And then also it was like, you know, Bill Clinton said it at uh, John Lewis's funeral, right? Um, that, you know, there sits Senator Clyburn who with just a stroke of his pen, uh, ended the uh, family uh, feud that we had going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and God so, like, damn, I can't stand Clyburn. But yeah, uh-huh. and so everybody fucking knew. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, like it's out in the open. Yeah, that's right. It's out in the open. Um, so there's no conspiracy theory. It's like the Democratic establishment decided mm-hmm. that Bernie was not good. 
Biden was the one. Mm-hmm. Get rid of Bernie, mm-hmm. despite the fact that he had this enormous mass of people behind him. That's right. And I, I got to admit, I mean, maybe you can convince me otherwise here, but I do have some resentment for some of the way the Bernie campaign was run in states, not the first few states. 100%. Why it, do you think I would be upset about that? Why do you think I would take you to task about that? Because I, I don't know enough about it to speak authoritatively, and maybe I'm being resentful unfairly. No, no there's, but there's it, a lot of resentment to focus toward uh, Senator Sanders and the campaign. So yeah. what are some of your... It was super frustrating to have done all this work in California and know that this work works, mm-hmm. know that all these people are committed to it, mm-hmm. know that those people exist, and mm-hmm. that if you do the work, then we can connect with people yeah. and we can work together to yeah. go where we want to go. Yeah. And to know that they just didn't do that work and they failed in the other states. You mean after uh, California? Yeah, after California. I see what you're saying. I mean, I'm... The pandemic I'm also t- fucked us. Yeah. And so that can't go unacknowledged. And yeah. also the Biden campaign's like willingness to throw Meemaw and Peepaw to the wolves of coronavirus yeah, so they vote right. in the primary. That's right. I mean, is- I'm of two minds about that. I don't... I think that... I don't know how to disambiguate the role that the unknown uncertainty of the pandemic had you know being new and like ah what do we do and yeah i don't know how much of a role i think it was pretty big but i don't know how much of a role that played in things post super tuesday and i don't and so i don't know how to separate that it was pretty clear that like the authoritarian the authoritarian nature of like the democratic party voters was like established post South Carolina when there was a 30 point swing over the weekend for Biden uh, that, you know, resulted like now, granted, like they were still kind of like tied after Super Tuesday because Bernie won California and Colorado and lost Texas by hair and da da da. But but that that tone had already been set going forward. So it's like I think there are several different factors. And so I don't I don't know how much to attribute to them not I don't know if it was deliberate that they didn't they didn't insist on the same organizing um, operation post Super Tuesday, or if they had a, a skeleton of that in place, but the the pandemic disrupted that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But I just know that I felt like I was part of a movement of people, and I'd done my part, and yep. it had worked, mm-hmm. and it felt like other people's parts didn't work, and uh, it felt like being part of a group project, and somebody dropped the ball. I see. You wanted to spend your time um, in Georgia uh, canvassing um, for the general um, and uh, for the special election. What was that? What What was the calculation there? What was the What was that experience like? Like the same sort of calculation that I had made when I was deciding to work on the burning campaign, which is like, what is the highest leverage thing I can spend my time doing uh, in, to help in the fight against climate change? Uh-uh. And if the Senate Republicans had control of the Senate, uh, then no substantive climate change legislation is going to be passed. Period. And the only way that anything can get passed, mm-hmm. period, is if we have a Democratic majority. Maybe something won't be passed. Uh-huh. But the, there's w- one is a zero uh-huh. and the other is a chance. We're canvassing like only white people in the suburbs or rural areas. Um, in Georgia. In Georgia. Okay. Uh, because Surge is the white organization. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there are plenty of fucking other organizations yeah, yeah. trying to hit up the inner city black vote. Yeah. Surge was going to rural white areas okay. and talking to middle class white voters. And what were what was the what were some of the um, what was the reception that you got in during doing that? So the, so I'll tell you what the pitch was and then I'll tell you what the reception was. Is that okay? Okay, great. Uh, so the, 
<laughs> so the pitch was first just to get out the vote pitch like hey just want to like figure out if the person is democrat leaning so i would say like hey i'm with this racial justice organization going around talking with people about how they felt about georgia going blue um so how'd you feel and if they say like i think it was bullshit and it was a stolen election i'd be like thank you very much have a lovely day <laughs> So this uh, is after the general. This is this after is the, the general. general. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, for the general, I did just like get out the vote stuff in the city of Atlanta. Gotcha. So, um, with the Democratic Party, which was super poorly fucking organized and was deeply frustrating yeah. to me. Uh, so then if they were like stoked about it, I was like, okay, great. Like I was excited about it too. Like how do you feel about the the runoff coming mm-hmm, up? You plan mm-hmm. on voting? Great. You got a vote plan. Put together the vote plan with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, like I said, I'm with this racial justice organization. We go around talking with white people about issues of racism and white supremacy. We do things like this, but we also do things where we try and organize white folks to pressure lawmakers to uh, put uh, anti-racist legislation through, like getting rid of cash bail mm. and stuff like that. Mm. Um, or we also do educational things like uh, funny that you brought up yelling at your racist uncle, but <laughs> they actually have a seminar on how to talk to your racist uncle at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Um and so we teach people how to have those conversations mm-hmm. and do this kind of work. Mm-hmm. And so wondering if you want to get involved with that. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, that part felt really uncomplicated and really good okay. in like basically knitting together a community of progressive people mm-hmm. in the South. Okay. Um, for a lot of reasons. One, I think the Democratic Party has completely abandoned uh, middle class people mm-hmm. in favor of the fucking whatever, you know. Coastal elites. You got it. Mm-hmm. And so it felt really good to uh talk to a lot of folks who had felt abandoned by both parties who might have more progressive politics mm-hmm. but like are but deeply engaged yeah and yeah. deeply susceptible to a populist movement yeah. That, yeah yeah um and so felt really good to like a lot of these people would open up the door and i'd ask them how they felt about georgia turning blue and they'd look out their door then look to the side and look to the other side and be like it was great <laughs> nice. um, because like both because like we had people who said like they would canvas people and people would point across the street and, like that guy's a kkk member oh and they're like like no fucking joke you know wow, it's rural wow, wow. georgia yeah, yeah, yeah um and so like it felt really good to as a coastal elite go to this place and not be like telling them what to do but instead connecting them with community in their area so they can ah, do the necessary work in their area moving forward i see so it felt really good. The get out the vote thing, like Ossoff is a nothing. Uh, Warnock seems like a pretty cool dude. I like the fact that he was arrested in the Capitol. Um, yeah, whatever. Great. Doesn't matter. Sure. Um, purely numbers. Ossoff That's all I give a, a shit. Nothing. I like that. Ossoff is a fucking nothing. He is a fucking nothing. Um, but it felt but the really but it, good. is it that what it what made it worthwhile is not necessarily for the candidates that were up for voting, but this was a the field of play or the the the. The true uh, benefit here was not for the candidates, but was for connecting people who have not been organized or Correct. or plugged into um, organizations that could, you know, can like channel their kind of like populist sensibilities into something productive long term. Like that was that was it. Correct. Not not because you were an Ossoff fanboy. No, not at okay. all. all right. The first thrust of the that reason the reason I better. went. Mm-hmm was for climate change for hopefully getting something through mm-hmm. the reason i was fired up about it and the reason i chose to canvas with the organization i did it would have been way easier to canvas in inner city atlanta mm-hmm. it's like you get like a little block and you can walk to every single fucking apartment yeah. but with this i was like driving like long ass distances uh, to like one person in a cul-de-sac who's yeah. democrat but i believed in it for the sure. reasons that i talked about is I that like long-term work in this country is all of us walking together huh. in a direction that we decide. That's and right. And the, you can't, and to, in order to do that, you can't get around 
pressing the flesh, like being in front of someone, talking with someone with an with an open mind. That's it. I understand. And okay, so I retract my my sneering at you for being in Georgia because thanks, buddy. I get because <laughs> I get it now. Okay, I get yeah. it. I got you. I got you. And <laughs> like, uh, there were so many good conversations because like there are a lot of people. First of all, canvassing during a pandemic, highly recommended. Huh? Because these people are lonely yeah that's right and so like you go there with like an n95 on maybe a face shield you got your hand sanitizer you like knock on the door sanitize step back 10 feet then talk but like a lot of these people haven't talked to anybody and it's the fucking south man do you do you think that to the to this point that you're making do you think democrats made a terrible blender during the general to foreclose on like a ground game 100 percent. okay to be fair we like there's a lot of weirdness with COVID and not sure. understanding how transmittable it is, sure. whether or not it's appropriate to even knock on somebody's door, sure. all that kind of shit. Once we learned that it was like you're pretty, pretty fucking safe outside wearing a mask, yeah. that it's like, okay, I'm going to send 10 feet back for somebody wearing an N95 and a face shield. We're not going to, and gotcha. like got tested every single week that yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, some of the quote unquote reddest states in the nation are not red. They're heavily gerrymandered, right. disenfranchised right. uh, blue states. Yeah. I mean, like Mississippi is the blackest state in the country. That's right. It's not a fucking red state. Yeah. Like, come on now. Yeah. How do we navigate? How do we subvert? How do we uh, how do we form a countervailing force against, et cetera, et cetera? Join a group. Hmm. Uh, join an organization of people who you feel like share similar values. That's right. Uh, because they're. I think that there's I, I, somebody said the other day that like a lot of the things that seem like new ideas to you or seem like new things mm-hmm. have much longer histories That's than right. you can imagine. That's right. Um, because the work of organizing takes time. Uh huh. Um, and so like if you are hearing about anti-racist stuff for the first time in 2021, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you know, there are people who have been doing that for decades, um, centuries. Um, and if that's, this is the first time you're hearing about it, then like maybe seek out an organization that's doing that work sure. because there are people who are experts who are doing that work every day sure. and they'll tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also nice cause then you don't feel so alone. That's right. I think that especially in COVID it's this isolating thing where we're sitting in our houses, scrolling Twitter, um, feeling like the whole world is ending mm-hmm. and is it no, mm. um, no, it's not. Why do you say that? Um, you know, to quote Jurassic Park, <laughs> life finds a way. I told you I'm an optimist and I love people. Mm-hmm. Um, is I, it an optimism born out of necessity or you really do? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only true optimism is rooted in a realist perspective. Uh. Like it, if you aren't fully rooted in how fucked up things are. Huh. You cannot actually be an optimist. Ah. You're just delusional. I think the same thing with like if you lie to somebody or you lie to like a little kid or something like that. Like they know, mm-hmm. they know you're lying, mm-hmm. and you know when you're lying to yourself too, and it feels really bad. Mm. So uh, optimism is not about some delusional, like fantastical view of the future. Optimism is. Uh wow. Uh, optimism is uh the belief that through collective action, uh. We will grow and survive together. What are you? What are you focused on? What is? What do you think that people should be focused on? You said join a group. Join um, a group is the biggest, and, and and like 
any group. And I mean this seriously, like if DSA is one that speaks to you, that's fucking great. Mm -hmm. If like the Sierra club speaks to you, Mm -hmm. that's fucking great. Mm -hmm. If you want to go join like friends of the urban forest and just plant trees that like tear up a piece of the sidewalk and plant a fucking tree in San Francisco. That's great. Mm -hmm. Put your shoulder to the wheel of history and just help push Mm because everybody's there and you won't be alone. Then you're part of it and it feels so good to be with everybody. And then like, you know, we end up in the future, but we're all there together. I personally have no fucking patience for the privileged liberal who says, you know, I just like I couldn't stand listening to my conservative family members anymore. And I just had to defriend them on Facebook. Or like, I, I can't that. talk to them anymore. Yeah. It's like, uh-huh. if you don't fucking talk to them, right. who like privileged is? ass, educated ass, right. wealthy ass, white person, right. who the fuck is going to do that right. work? And you, how do you think it's going to get any better if yeah. if you just disengage? You're yeah. who you are as a person. I'm saying this about myself and about those, you know, that straw man I just erected as well, <laughs> is that who you are as a person is a culmination of countless conversations, right. books you've read, things you've listened experiences. to, experiences you've had, like the labor that other people have done in educating your dumb ass. That's right. You're the culmination of all of That's that. Right. And if you take all of that and put it in your proverbial warehouse where right. you can fucking sit around and not be challenged in any way by people who right. maybe feel or sound distasteful to you, right. you are abdicating your responsibility That's right. in bringing those people along the That's journey right. that other people have brought you along. That's right. And and to, to, and to, uh, and to dig into this further, it's like liberals do this. I think more than leftists, but leftists do it too, is they, when they, they, they um, end up reducing people's differences, um, particularly like on the kind of like right, left or conservative liberal spectrum to this like moral failing of who you are as a person, as if that cannot be, as if that's not just a snapshot of you in time that cannot be influenced, redirected, changed you know massaged whatever you know over time like that is as if your you know reactionary uncle or aunt or whomever like like the reason they are that way is because of some like their cells are deformed inside and their brain is atrophied and they will all they can only always ever be this thing like don't don't be a dumbass (laughs) yeah i mean like it's it's um it's the truth of all this, like basic empathy. Yeah. Asking right. questions and listening. That's right. And actually being interested. That's right. A lot of these people who say hateful things and do hateful things are really lonely. That's right. They like they're alienated. They're alienated and immiserated. And if their own family members who have progressive politics refuse to talk to them because right. what they say is distasteful or whatever, right. you are preserving your own like little bubble of peaceful right. liberalism That's at the right. expense of Everybody. So much. Yeah. Everything. That's right. Everything. That's right. That's right. Um, so one of Serge's mottos is collect your cousins. Collect uh, your cousins? Collect your cousins. Oh, okay. All right. Um, which I really dig. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really Like for hard. you. Yeah, for and me. And your cousins. Well, yeah. I mean, I have, I have family members who are Trump supporters. Okay. But, um, okay. Uh, but I think like just in general, having conversations with people with whom you have history mm-hmm. on these subjects is often pretty fraught and difficult. Sure. Um, but if not you, who? Huh? Huh? Okay. Um, if so, not now, when? My older brother is a pretty rad dude, and I think I mentioned this earlier, but he started a defund the police organization, a movement in Redding up in Northern California. Nice. And um, you know, it the their name is Reinvest Redding. Hmm. And it's just like the main thrust of their argument is that we just ask the police to do too much. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I think that is fair. Like I having this, mo like coming at this from a place of compassion, like I think the police are overburdened. They're meant to be mental health counselors, drug counselors, domestic abuse counselors, marriage and family counselors. They're meant to also be law enforcement. They're meant to also be security. They're meant to all, like all these things. Sure. It's unreasonable. Mm. And um, just because we throw more money at it doesn't make these individuals capable of being all of these things at once. Mm. And so the thrust of his argument for, with reinvest threading is to take a lot of those funds and pay for specialists mm. to do this kind yeah, of work yeah. that needs to be done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was I was tapped to help on the reinvest in dot us like project that Jane started over the summer. So same cool. Thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and unfortunately, the Reading City Council just voted to get three more police officers on board, um, which my older brother is super disappointed about. Sure. But, um, but the fight doesn't stop. Part doesn't to, stop. Yeah. I mean, like this, it's the work of a lifetime, you know? That's right. Um, but it, you know, in those moments it's hard to, I've been, he's, you know, he does, he's heads down, does his fucking work. Yeah, he yeah, works yeah. his ass off. Mm. And so then to like have this thing come up, it's just like super frustrating. But That's right. tomorrow he's back on the horse. Mm, That's mm. the kind of guy he is. Mm. Very proud of my older brother. Oh, very sweet. <laughs> oh, and like environmentally, man. Oh, when I, I fantasize about this shit all the time. Mr. No Pants be fantasizing Whew. about the environment. You go ahead, it. go off. I mean, I just, I, I think about like a world where um, we aren't actively destroying our only habitat all the fucking time. Mm. And I see people feeling, maybe this is the person who likes to take mushrooms speaking, but people <laughs> in harmony and in contact with and in like, um, in love with the world. Mm. Um, and by the world, you mean environment? No, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. What you I mean, mean our physical world? Oh, yeah, our physical mm -hmm, world. Mm -hmm. I mean, like feeling like an understanding in your bones that you are of this earth. Yeah. Um, that you're made out of the same shit as shit. That you're mm -hmm. made out of the same shit as the dirt and yeah. concrete and trees. Yeah. And that that's you have, what Kat said. She said almost exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I think you guys also talk about psychedelics, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think she and I have a lot in common. Okay, fine. Yeah. I'll do shrooms. Sheesh. Yeah. She should too. Yeah, fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like to to actually feel that and to really feel it and then to operate as such. I mm. want people to feel that way. Mm. Um, I really feel like that if Mitch McConnell took a ton of shrooms that he wouldn't make some of the decisions that he makes. Uh, the only way we move forward as a people is through conversation and collective work together. Yeah. I feel the same way with us and the earth. We're yeah, not yeah, necessarily yeah. stewards of it. It's like we are in partnership with it, constant partnership uh -huh, with this uh -huh. lemon tree, with everything else around us. And yep. so long as we have this ego yep. that like we are whatever around right. it. We are above it and it is subordinate to no, us. No, we That's are of it. Yeah. From dust, we come to dust, we shall return. Uh, uh, uh. I actually dig a lot of what Catholicism as a religion has to say. Okay. Um, Catholicism is actually a lot more rad than I think it gets credit for. Sure. Um, especially in the leftist community, like, looking at liberation theology, looking at some of the um, uh, documents that the Pope has put forward on environmental stewardship and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there are some pretty fucking rad Catholics out there. Yeah. Um, my problem is with the church, not necessarily with the religion. Ah, okay. Um, the institution. Is deeply flawed. Got you. And, and uh, because of all that, the sex abuse scandal stuff gotcha. is makes it, I, I can't align myself with that. I see. Um, it's okay. horrific. Okay. Um, but you're still, but you're, you're st you still have a personal understanding of agape that has been kind of like a through line 
up until this point in your life. Totally still resonates. Feels good to me. Yeah. Okay. I haven't, haven't found anything that challenges it in a meaningful way that makes me want to feel or believe something else. So okay. that's reasonable. I'm a pretty optimistic dude. I've said that a lot. Um, and I make the choice to be optimistic because I don't believe that pessimism serves a function that I want served. Ah. Uh, meaning that I think that pessimism is a self-preservation technique. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, I think that it protects us from emotional or psychological intimacy. It protects mm. us from the terrifying vulnerability of hope. Um, mm. And I good now? Mm-hmm. don't want that kind of protection because that's the kind of half-life ah. that doesn't feel worth living ah. uh, so if anybody's listening to this i hope you hope mm. yeah mm, that's good all right he optimistic, but he's still grumpy. Don't don't get it. Don't get it fucked up. Yeah, uh, homeboy can... that got him in a real tender spot, but that hoe is grumpy. But you can be both. We contain multitudes. All right. Well, thank you, yeah. Dan the man. Thanks for having me. It was nice chatting with you. Let's do it again sometime. Ah, hi on shrooms. Yeah, we'll yeah. do it. So maybe I record when me, Kat, and Dan inevitably end up doing shrooms. <laughs> Won't that be a hoot? Oh, God. Um, I sure hope we get something substantive accomplished on the environmental front so that all of Dan's hard work and toil in Georgia will have been worth it. Come on, Robinette. <laughs> okay, you know the deal. Uh, gather your cousins, as the fine folks at Surge would say, and share this little darling podcast with them. <laughs> and you, yes, you, should go ahead and subscribe while you're at it. Do it. Do it now. Okay, <laughs> see you next week. <laughs>